Welcome to the SLP Happy Hour Podcast. Up today, we are wrapping up the year with some tough lessons learned for what has been a challenging year, and we're sharing our hopes for the year ahead. In this episode, we'll be sharing a lesson gone wrong, what's up and what's down for both of us during this winter season, and a self-care challenge, and some book recommendations from both of our 2020 reads. Helpful, compassionate, and actionable, the SLP Happy Hour podcast will help you find more time and ease in your busy SLP life. I'm Sarah, and I work in private practice and in the schools. I'm Sari. I work in the school setting. Being an SLP isn't about hustle, overwork, and overwhelm, but about finding calm, boundaries, and taking more time to take care of yourself when life gets rough. Using research-based happiness habits and what's really worked for us, we share ideas so that you can find out what works for you in order to find more calm, creativity, and happiness. So let's slow down, take our time, and practice leaving things undone. As you listen in, leave all those unrealistic expectations at the door. Here, you'll find easy lessons, lesson fails, SLP wisdom, and simple self-care challenges. So let's move forward with less hustle and more slowness, gentleness, and heart. It's time for an SLP happy hour. And this episode is a bit of a reflective episode where we talk about some challenges we've waded through during this year. Maybe you'll be able to relate to some of them, or maybe you can learn from our lessons if you're facing similar challenges in the future. And up first, although we both are fortunate to enjoy the work we do, we found that sometimes the best laid plans, aka the lessons we think will go smoothly, are a big flop. Or in this case, a big mess. That's right. And I've got one of those stories today. So this is a pretty messy lesson. Uh, I see a few of my clients, particularly preschoolers with autism at my clinic, in person. And since coronavirus started, you know, becoming a thing here in the States in March, I've stopped, completely stopped using sensory bins. And it's been too bad because my kids love putting their hands in sand or beans or using water beads. And it really gives them something to do with their hands. And I I find they're more regulated and they can pay attention better if we do some, you know, sensory activities during the session and some movement during the session. So last week I decided, okay, what's a safe way to do this? Because the idea of a bunch of kids putting their hands in the same box like makes me want to physically recoil like that doesn't seem Mm -hmm. safe. So what I did is I made some water beads. You know, you put them in a jar of water and they're these tiny little dry things. And um, I took them to the clinic and kids would ask for a certain number of water beads. And it was a small amount. So a small amount of water beads um, lasted me a long time. And then they would squish the water beads on the table. And I thought, this is going to be great. My students love slimy things. They love squishing things. But I did not account for the mess it would make. Essentially, once the kiddo starts squishing it, it might rip in half or in one thirds. However, when it's time to clean up and you touch them again, once they're broken, they disintegrate into a thousand squishy, dishy pieces that as you try to pick them up with your thumb and your pincher finger, they jump. (laughs) They're so slimy. They seem to just jump out of your hand. So as I'm cleaning up, 
my student is realizing this, getting more and more stressed out, starts, my student starts rubbing the table, and then they are just disintegrating into millions of pieces. So I'm like, stop, stop, don't do that. And so we're individually picking up each piece. And this is a student with attention challenges as well. And finally, uh, he doesn't say anything, but my student lays on the floor in this, like, I am done, lady position. (laughs) And I was thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to become the activity that never ends. Like, there's no solution to this. I even tried spraying the table with, like, my uh, disinfectant cleaner, and that also didn't work. These tiny, slimy things just start jumping everywhere, and then once they get in the carpet, they're not coming out. So after that session, I did some thorough cleaning. I encouraged my client that <laughs> to sit back at the table. Uh, we had lots of fun for the rest of the session. And I think I was internally just as frustrated as my student. Like when my student started laying on the floor, I was like, yeah, man, I get you. Like, <laughs> I'm there too, um, just internally. Uh, so that was a frustrating session. So here's what I do. I'm still doing the activity, but I have like a takeout box, like a bin. It's a plastic bin that I got once when I was getting takeout food. We get a certain number. It goes in the takeout box. Then after they squish a couple, we're done with the activity. I throw those away and then I disinfect the takeout box. So there is a happy ending to this story. But, oh, there was this moment of despair with that child laying on the floor and this, like, disintegrating, squishy, jumpy little beans everywhere. <laughs> that is That story is hilarious. And I kind of feel like there's, a, like, an analogy I can make to how the year 2020 has been <laughs> with these messy water beads and how I just want to lay on the floor sometimes and be like, I give up, lady. I just right. can't take anymore. <laughs> You try to fix it, and it just crumbles in your hands. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) So um, the good in that story is the fun water beads, and you did find a solution, but it definitely had a down with the messy messy challenge to clean that up. And thinking of things that are up and down, that brings me to what I wanted to share next, which is things that are going well and things that are challenging for both of us in our What's Up and What's Down segment. And I'm going to start with what's down and then and then bring us up at the end. And I do kind of have to say that what's down for me is I feel like the end of this year has kind of just hit me like a like a slap in the face. Um, I saw this meme the other day, which was like a picture from the movie The Princess Bride. And it was Carrie Elways' character, Wesley, strapped to this torture machine. And this evil count uses the machine to suck life away. And the count is labeled the year 2020. And he's looking down at Carrie Elways, who's strapped to the machine. And he says, I've just sucked one year of your life away. And I was like, that meme is so perfect. Because here at the end of this year, I can't help feeling like there's this sense of loss for 2020 for all the time that has gone by, and especially the loss of time that uh, we normally would have spent with people, you know, with family, with friends. My my seven-month-old baby Declan has never met my husband's mom. He's never met her because of the pandemic. And, and other friends. He hasn't met you. I mean, he's seen you on video chat, Sarah, but he hasn't met mm-hmm. you. And <laughs> that's so sad to me that yeah. that he hasn't been able to meet so many people and 
So coming to the end of the year 2020, I think I, I have kind of this guilt for some of those things we didn't get to do and and the sense of loss. And I'm kind of feeling it more and more keenly as we reach the close of this year. So I, I think I'm kind of going through a period of mourning. Um, so now let me bring us up because I'm sure everybody is kind of in the same boat with that one. And uh, so we need to focus on something good. And this is a big up for me. And it's that this podcast, which we started as a dinner conversation in 2017, and our first episode was published in January of 2018, this podcast is coming up on its third year anniversary and about to start its fourth season. And that's huge, Sarah. That's huge. (laughs) That's so exciting. And this podcast has been such a source of joy and really kind of a reprieve for me during the hard year that 2020 has been. And um, not only that, but just on a personal level, I feel like Sarah has become one of my closest friends. We have almost daily check-ins and you have been like a rock for me throughout all of the ups and downs of the pandemic and have really helped me survive and, and troubleshoot some things that came my way. So I thank you for that, Sarah. Likewise. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same about the podcast. And, you know, we when we started this podcast, there weren't very many speech pathology Mm -hmm. podcasts at all. Like the only ones that I really knew about were Mm -hmm. SLP Trivia Fun, Talking with Tech, and then Teresa's Swallow Your Pride podcast. Um, And there were definitely no podcasts that talked about mental health, burnout, and self-care like we do. And it was actually really confusing to talk to people. Like I remember being at ASHA and people were like, cool, do you talk about swallowing or do you talk about AAC? (laughs) Or, you know, like they wanted it to be topical Mm -hmm. about therapy. And I was like, no, 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 no. We are a podcast that discusses, you know, self-care, burnout, and mental health and work-life satisfaction. And people would just stare at me blankly. And I love that since then, so many new people have come out talking about similar topics, and it's really normalized Mm -hmm. those kinds of conversations. So a lot has changed in these three years. That's another huge up. And and you're absolutely right. It has been amazing to see kind of the shift in these conversations being more open, more transparent, you know, less of a, I, I do even feel like there's a shift maybe, and maybe it's just in my mindset, but less of a push for perfectionism. Yeah. And more of like an honesty and we can do the, this mm-hmm. much and then we're done. And a, I'm seeing a lot more honesty online than three years ago. And that's not because of us. That's just because of what's mm-hmm. happening online. Same. And I really appreciate that. And that could just be the accounts that I follow, <laughs> but Yeah. And so if you've been listening, whether you've been listening for three years or for one episode, I did want to let you know that we're having a question and answer kind of ask us anything episode coming up. And we really want your questions because otherwise, what are we (laughs) going to talk about for 30 minutes? So I'm very serious when I say, please take a moment and ask your question. It could be a work question, a life question, a therapy question. Um, we're totally open to kind of anything at this point. And you can do that by going to slphappyhour.com slash contact. You can also direct message me. I'm slphappyhour on Instagram or email me at 
slphappyhour at gmail.com. So there's a lot of ways to reach me. The contact form is probably the best. And uh, ask your question. We'd love as many questions as possible. So uh, what's up and what's down for me? I'm actually going to start with what's up because it's easier to talk about. I think uh, sort of to echo what Sari's saying about relationships and realizing after having such a hard year which relationships you're going to lean on and and finding those, I think, Sarah, you've called them like golden friends mm-hmm. or golden relationships. And I really feel like this year has been a, a real, I don't know, a pivot point because I've had a lot going on and I have realized, you know, who's willing to check in on you when things are hard, but even more important than that, who's willing to listen and support you when things are hard and who just wants things to be fun and easy. So I I wouldn't say this year I've dropped any friends, but I've really had this deepening of some of my friendships that that has been really rich as I've realized, you know, like who can I lean on when I'm having a bad day? And I wanted to say, you know, some of those are not people I know in real life. Some of those are... Uh, SLP Instagram accounts of maybe accounts that if you're listening, you follow and you know these people. So there are lots of places to find these people and I'm grateful for those people. Uh, Another thing I've realized is uh, how little I can control, but also what I can control. And so I'm grateful for, even though this year was so hard, I've learned a lot more about mental health and psychology. I've been really interested in like reading psychology books, listening to psychology podcasts and trying to educate myself as much as possible. And what's down, this is hard to talk about, so I'm going to make it short. Uh, We tried to do a whole episode where I did an adoption update and I just got so emotional I couldn't finish it. So all right, here we go. So right now there's the coronavirus pandemic and there's a travel ban from the U.S. to China. Understandably, China doesn't want people coming in from the United States. At this time, as we're recording, it's winter of 2020. Infection rates are abysmally high here in the United States, and I, it's looking like they're just going to get worse until there's a vaccine. There's a huge spike right now. So I guess I've realized that we're probably not going to get to bring our child home until there's a vaccine, which has been really difficult. Uh, I would have come home with my child. We were matched with a child a year ago, and we would have come home this summer if it wasn't for coronavirus. We are completely done with a more than two-year adoption process for international adoption, and the only thing we're waiting for is for that travel ban to lift. Also, I realized I've never said this explicitly here, but I don't share any information about my child, even though I was matched with a child uh, more than a year ago for several reasons, and I wanted to share those just because I think it's something I assume people know but don't say. So one is since this is a transracial adoption, uh, and when there are transracial adoptions, a lot of time other people a lot of times other people want to create the narrative. So there are narratives like people say, oh, you're adopting the child. The child is so lucky. Or, oh, your child was from an orphanage. That was so bad. Maybe it wasn't so bad. Maybe they were in a great orphanage. Um, you know, and and that sort of like savior complex of parents adopting kids. Um, I want to avoid that. But also my child is going to have an experience growing up in this country 
where, you know, parents are white, child is not, and their experience navigating this world as a transracial adoptee and as a person of color is theirs to write as they wish. And so I'm happy to talk about my experience, but not my child's experience. And I don't plan on sharing any information whatsoever, ever, um, on social, at least my public social media accounts about my child. Uh, the second thing is due to the travel ban, China never formally approved the match. So I'm not sharing the age or sex of my child or any details because if things open up again, we totally expect the match to be approved. It's just a matter of paperwork. However, that was never formally done because when coronavirus started really growing and getting transmitted, uh, China stopped processing paperwork. They decided to pause until infection rates got better, they've gotten worse, or until there was a vaccine. So for my own mental health, I'm not giving these details because if this match falls through, I'm going to be completely crushed and I don't want to share that it's changed with the world at large. That would just be too hard. And so I'm going to keep that private now. So in 2020, I've dealt with a lot of grief and separation and that's what's <laughs> down and it's not going to get better until I think there's a vaccine at this point. We can't Rates keep going up, so I don't think we can trust people to socially distance and wear masks at this point. I think it's just going to get worse before it gets I better. I know. Unfortunately, I, I have to agree with that, but I am cautiously optimistic about that vaccine coming soon. So. Oh, yeah, and we've been watching that news so carefully for that reason, and it's exciting that there are... It's going to take longer than I think people mm -hmm. think, but... There are several, you know, there's several. So that gives me a lot of hope that something's going to come through and it's just a matter of time. So in a year with more twists and turns than a thriller novel, many of us are still trying to process what the heck happened in 2020. So we want to share some lessons that we've learned this year and a few challenges we've been moving through in hopes that it helps you with whatever this year has thrown your way. In addition, we'd like to chat a bit about the problem of 2021. How do you make goals or intentions or have that hope that we talked about for the year ahead when everything else just seems so topsy-turvy? Yeah, and this year has been difficult for so many people. But before I get into uh, sharing my lessons learned, I did want to say some people are having a great year and then some people are just having a good year. And some people have been very impacted by the coronavirus epidemic like people they know have gotten ill or their work or personal lives have changed dramatically. Um, but for others, these changes have impacted them minimally. So I just wanted to say that if this was a good year for you or you're feeling good, honestly, that's fantastic. And I really want to encourage you, if you're having a decent year, to reach out to some people who aren't because there are a lot of people struggling right now and they could use a listening ear. Mm -hmm. So, but there's nothing wrong with having a good year. And so if yours is good or great or fantastic, uh, that's good. And I don't want you to feel guilty about that. So that's the first thing I want to say. So for me, this year was scary with everything that happened with the international adoption coronavirus. Uh, the goals I had this year, I, which was to bring my child home from China, I couldn't do. And that was completely out of my control. So it seems hard. Like, how do I make goals for the next year? Uh, I don't know. And then I had a professional goal, which is to start the Teachers Pay Teachers store under the happy 
SLP Happy Hour name. And uh, that I've seen some progress on. It's been slow and steady. Uh, neither of these things happened as I expected, and there were some other curveballs thrown in, but here are some things I've learned. Number one thing I learned in 2020, I only control 1%. <laughs> so I don't know if it's 1% or 10% or 50%, but as someone who loves to plan and make goals and have ownership over my life and make things happen, so many things this year were completely out of my control that I had to make this realization and remind myself I only control 1%. And to me, that was not easy. It felt bad. It felt horrible. (laughs) I didn't like it. And while kind of going with the flow isn't something that came easy for me, releasing to change is something that I'm working on and working on moving towards and, you know, like reading a lot about and learning a lot about. So as someone who can be career-driven and goal-oriented, I like to check things off my list and make progress, but so many things happened in the outside world, like, for example, with the adoption, that I just couldn't do that. And um, so that's my first lesson is realizing how little I can control and working to release that control. Um, I think of the Alcoholics Anonymous prayer or motto, it's to accept the things I can, you know, to change, accept the things I cannot change, change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm at. Uh, not in Alcoholics Anonymous, just know a lot of people who are and um, have that prayer memorized. So, okay, that's the first lesson learned. The second is I can move forward with the 1% I can control. Uh, Giving up seems easy. There have been points I've wanted to give up on everything. But when I connect to my why, where do I want to be in three to five years? What do I want my family to look like and my work situation to look like? I'm going to work my butt off to make that dream happen. And that dream is just as important to me now as it was pre-2020. So if I need to take a day off or a week off from doing some extra things, I'll do it. But I'm going to come back. Always come back. It's not glamorous, but being consistent is important and consistency pays off. And as Gretchen Rubin says, she's an author of The Happiness Project, it's not what you do one day, it's what you do most days. So I keep going. Number three, I can work on my internal mental landscape. So I think the best way I like to talk about this is the idea, and this is, I believe, part of Buddhist philosophy, the first arrow is the hurt. So um, I didn't get that eval done, or that meeting was really stressful. The second arrow is what we think about it. So for example, the IEP meeting went horrible and now I'm going to ruminate on it or beat myself up about it. So really that third lesson I've learned with uh, working on my internal mental landscape is thinking, okay, is this a first arrow or a second arrow? And is the way that I'm thinking about this and the amount that I'm thinking about this helping me or is it hurting me? So those are my lessons learned. Uh, I only control 1%. I can still move forward with the 1% I can control. And then number three, working on my internal mental landscape and that idea of the first arrow and the second arrow and my hopes. So my hope 
my hopes for 2021. I hope a vaccine for coronavirus becomes widely available, that it's safe and effective, that people take it, (laughs) and that I can travel to China and bring home my child. Uh, My little one would have been home for, I think, more than six months now if coronavirus hadn't happened, so grieving that lost time and extended separation has been difficult, and I'm ready to be united. So also another, this is more of a professional goal is I want to consistently spend time creating more products for the SLP happy hour teachers pay teachers store. My hope is that if this can become a piece of the pie and a, you know, a piece of my income, I can have a bit more of a flexible schedule with maybe a bit less stress and more time with my family. And especially hopefully in 2021 when there's a vaccine and we have a little one at home. Uh, and I hope all of these things as well with all of my heart. And I, like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic for 2021. I, I, I will say I'm not overly optimistic at this point because I feel like I still need to protect my heart <laughs> in case things don't get better or, or, you know, it takes longer than I would like it to. Um, but I've, I've learned some hard lessons in the year 2022. And so I'll share what a few of those have been and, The first one is that I cannot solve every problem and that it's not my job to. I think that everyone takes on roles in their life that they personally identify with and maybe connect to their own values. And one of mine has historically been as a mediator and a problem solver, both at work and in my personal life. I have volunteered my time and made myself very available to helping others when I truthfully didn't have the time or even the mental capacity to do so. And it has even made me feel resentful towards others who have taken advantage of this in the past. But that still didn't stop me from doing it. (laughs) Just got to throw that out there. But 2020 presented both personal and professional problems my way that normally I would have given a lot of energy and time to solve but I simply couldn't take them on this year. And you know what was a slap in the face realization for me? Things worked out without my help. (laughs) Folks figured things out without my input and assistance just fine. And I feel like I've learned this lesson more this year than any other in the past. And I really want to try and remember this moving forward and be a lot more restrictive about volunteering to help solve issues outside of my own home. A second lesson that I've learned this year is that relaxing doesn't mean I'm lazy. Has anyone else grown up with that phrase, idle hands are the devil's workshop? I got told that by grandparents, and uh, I think every now and then my own parents (laughs) threw that out there. And not only that, there's always just kind of been this societal pressure to maximize each moment. And this year, I've really learned to savor that relaxing downtime guilt-free, to take those moments of stillness and silence as precious and not feel like I'm a bad person for needing that downtime and even enjoying it. Number three, the third lesson that I learned this last year is that I cannot personalize everything that people say. Even though I deny it when my husband says it, the truth is 
I can be incredibly sensitive, and when others seem upset or short when they're talking to me, it is very, very easy for me to worry that I am the cause. Sarah was so sweet and supportive the other day when I called her upset that I'd hurt or somehow neglected another friend of mine who had been short with me on the phone. And she kindly pointed out that this person's struggles most likely had nothing to do with me and advised me not to personalize it. And, you know, for the very first time, I took this advice. This is literally the first time ever I have let go of the worry and not festered over that feeling that somehow I was to blame. And releasing that burden was amazing. And I did find out later, after I connected with that friend through text message, I discovered that Sarah was completely right, that their stress was due to other factors that they were dealing with and had absolutely nothing to do with me. So I was worrying for not. There was no reason for any stress, and I was really happy that I was able to let it go. So moving forward into 2021, I hope I can remember these tough but also really wonderful lessons that 2020 has taught me. And similar to Sarah, I hope that things change with regards to an effective and available vaccine that allows us to reunite with our loved ones. And I also hope that some things actually stay the same. I hope that I can carry with me these lessons that I've learned, that I don't need to shoulder the burden of others' problems as much as I have been in the past, that I can savor moments of stillness, guilt-free, and that I can resist the urge to personalize interactions with others. Those are so good and and so thoughtful, Sari, and especially to me, the the second one about savoring those relaxing moments, because especially um, right now with work during the week, we're go, 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 Mm -hmm. and rush, 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 and weekends can be really hard because we feel like we have to keep up that pace on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And if we do, we just get to this complete emotional, physical drain state. So thank you for sharing those, Sari. It's been a tough year and onward and upward to 2021. And let's hope that next year is easier. And that brings us to a self-care challenge that I have for our listeners at the close of 2020. If you're feeling like me that one year of your life has sort of been sucked away, then you may need to release some resentment about what did or didn't happen for you in the year of 2020. I saw this task on one of the Queer Eye episodes where Karamo Brown had uh, that episode's hero pick up and carry weights across a football field. And as as the hero kept walking, Karamo kept adding more and more weights on. And each weight represented a burden or a regret. And when the hero could hardly take any more steps, Karamo had him release the weights. And it was, it was all sort of like a physical metaphor uh, to help him realize what it felt like to move forward, letting the past that he was holding on to go. So my challenge doesn't involve lifting weights and then releasing them, but it's similar in nature. My challenge is to make a list of those things that you're holding on to, that resentment about things that did or didn't happen in 2020. For me, it's things like not being able to introduce my baby to many of my family and friends and not being able to go to my father-in-law's funeral 
and sad that I couldn't say goodbye to my students and coworkers when my school site unexpectedly changed. Those are some of the things that I would write down. Whatever your regrets are for the year 2020, write them out and then let them go. Crumple up that list and throw it away. Tear it up into a million tiny little pieces. Burn it in your fireplace. Acknowledge that sadness and then move forward into 2021, letting those resentments go. Mm -hmm. And when we use the word regret, I think that's often a personal um, phrase, like I regret Mm -hmm. that I, right? Um, But really we're, what what you're suggesting is, you know, go ahead and include that, but also mm-hmm. acknowledge sadness. And there are a lot of things that happened in this past year that we had no control of whatsoever and that are still really burdening us. And they're the weights that we're carrying around the football field and letting those go and taking time to process and feel those feelings rather than continuing to continuing to push them aside and pretend they're not there. When Mm -hmm. we do that, they stay with us. So what Sarah's suggesting is to do something physical and emotional with acknowledging and processing the emotions of sadness that you may have about 2020 uh, so that you can move forward lighter and freer. So as we wrap up the year, we can't Uh, and an episode about 2020 or about the whole year without talking about reading and books. And reading is a fantastic way to reduce stress, learn about the world around us, and spend some quiet solo time. So we're each going to share some of our favorite books that we've read this year and just a small amount about them in case you'd like to add any of these to your stack of books. And we're going to really keep the description of them minimal because I don't want to, you know, by accident give anything away or mm-hmm. no spoilers yeah I don't want to I don't want to spoil it and I also don't want to want to like describe it too much that you think oh maybe I wouldn't like that so they're <laughs> all good here we go number one transcendent kingdom by Yaa Jesse. this is a book about family neuroscience depression and drug addiction and so much more it's an engrossing read I read it in one weekend and couldn't put it down and it's a thoughtfully written novel that I highly recommend And the second is a nonfiction pick, Strangers in Their Own Land by Arlie Russell Hotschild. The author is a Berkeley sociology professor who is very much self-identifies as a liberal. And on purpose, she uh, decides, okay, I'm going to spend some time with some people in Louisiana who are not only on, you know, a part of the other political party, they're not only conservative, but they're in the far right or they're Tea Party members. And I'm going to interview as many people as I can and develop a deep story of what their perspectives and values are, what their story is about, more about their lived experience and what they want to see happen in the world. So wherever you fall politically, I think that this is a incredibly important read. I found it interesting. It wasn't dry at all. And I certainly feel that at least within my lifetime, it does feel like we're all more separated than ever. And we we think each side is horrible. And so I would really recommend reading the book Strangers in Their Own Land to, at the very least, uh, read about these political conversations. 
The third book is also a nonfiction pick, and it's about work and finding more happiness, meaning, and purpose in your work. The book is called Designing Your Work Life, and it's by Bill Burnett and Dave Owens. And the authors are professors and Silicon Valley design engineers with some deep and thoughtful questions we can answer and some excellent perspectives to think about if you would like to think about your work differently or if you're thinking about a job change. So if you're looking for more contentment and purpose in your work life or if you're looking at making a job change, I would highly recommend designing your work life. Also, if you want to see what I've read in 2020, the SLP Happy Hour Pinterest account has those. I log them there. I will include that in the show notes. And I do think I likely will not continue to, uh, you know, write down everything I read, mainly because this year I've realized, you know what, reading is something that I do for fun and it's become performative if I if I have to like you know log it every time I read something which I've tried Mm -hmm. to do that because I I think it might be helpful for some people but now I'm realizing you know what this is something I do for myself so Sarah's Reads 2020 will probably be the last one but there are tons of great books on there and if you want to check it out we'll link it in the show notes Mm -hmm. and maybe what we could do is continue this tradition like best reads of 2020 or best reads of 2021 at the at the close of the year share our favorites or continue to share. I love that mm-hmm. because I love sharing what I read but uh this I, I don't know I I kind of made my own promise right I'm gonna like put everything I ever read for the whole year there and it became like a lot of pressure to always <laughs> log things so yes we will always talk about books here we love to read mm-hmm. I think that's a great idea sorry So I read a lot of fiction this last year, and I do have to admit that the majority of them are what I call beach reads, because that's kind of what I needed, just light and fluffy to get me through. And my first book recommendation is actually literally called Beach Read, and it's by Emily Henry. It is a (laughs) rom-com book, which I don't read a whole lot of, but I found myself grinning throughout it like the little schoolgirl, and it gave me all the feelings that I get from those cheesy Netflix holiday shows that they come out, like The Christmas Prince, you know, (laughs) where you know exactly where the story's going, but you still watch it because uh, you need just that right amount of dose of comedy, romance, and joy. And uh, I really enjoyed the book. Um, The second book I'd recommend that I uh, read was China Rich Girlfriend by Kevin Kwan. It is the sequel to Crazy Rich Asians, which there was a movie that came out about not too long ago. And when I read Crazy Rich Asians, I read it aloud to my husband, and we both loved it and got a kick out of the characters. It's And the second book is similar. They're both books about different characters kind of navigating this rich and social elite of, of Singapore and Hong Kong. And I personally really enjoy the food descriptions in these books. And I did read those aloud to my husband because we have been to both Hong Kong and Singapore, and we like to reminisce about the food that we've eaten in those places. So that was kind of fun. If you're uh, someone who enjoys reading about good food, you will enjoy these books. And then the third book recommendation that I have to share, I feel a little guilty about about admitting that I do sometimes read young adult fiction, but I do, and I enjoy it from time to time. And I read this two-part series called The Wrath and the Dawn, 
And the second one is called The Rose and the Dagger by Renee Adia. And these are both inspired by the Arabian Nights fairy tales. Every day, the Caliph Khalid takes a new wife and then has her murdered at dawn the following day. Every day this happens until Scheherazade volunteers to be his next bride with a plan to use her storytelling and her wits to kill him and free the kingdom of his rule. But little does she realize that there's more going on than meets the eye, and the caliph may not be the monster that she imagines. Both were really fun, and again, all three of my reads were pretty light and fluffy beach reads, but uh, will bring a smile to your face if that's what you need. So, there you have it. That's this episode of the SLP Happy Hour Podcast. In this episode, we shared a sensory lesson gone wrong and how Sarah troubleshooted it for the future. We discussed what's been going well and the challenges we've been dealing with right now. And I gave a self-care challenge to list out your sadness or regrets and resentments about 2020 and then let them go. We also dove into what we learned this year and talked about our hopes for the year ahead with cautiously optimistic hearts for the year 2021. Sarah shared that she's learned and accepted the 1% of things within her control and how to work on her internal mental landscape. I shared some lessons learned about solving problems, relaxing without guilt, and not personalizing things that others say or do. We also shared some book recommendations with you, and if you read them, feel free to reach out to us and tell us what you thought. As always, the show notes are on our website at www.slphappyhour.com show notes. And this episode was sponsored by two different units that we have in our SLP Happy Hour shop, teaching vowel sounds to children with childhood apraxia of speech. If you think that teaching vowels is a challenge or you're not quite sure how to introduce vowels or where to start, these resources will walk you through a step-by-step process, starting with vowel consonant and consonant vowel word shapes with mouth pictures, and then go on to real words, and even a little phrase practice. So if you have a student who really needs to solidify their vowel sounds, I have two different vowel resources available for you in the shop on our website, which you can get at slphappyhour.com shop or on teacherspayteachers.com. Go ahead and find us as SLP Happy Hour. I'll link it in the show notes. So again, if you have a student working on vowels, these units will really give you peace of mind and will walk you through a simple and clear process that has been really effective in my own sessions. So if you have a student working on those objectives, I'd really encourage you to take a look. And today we are coming at you from Southern Oregon, where the weather report is cold. We're getting frost at night and it is foggy today. And this episode is recorded on the land of the Tacalma and Cow Creek Umpqua tribes. Would you like to know when new episodes like this post? Or are you interested in knowing when we have TPT sales for subscribers only? That and more is in the newsletter. To get on the list, go to www.slphappyhour.com newsletter. Lately, Sarah has been sending out five therapy ideas when the newsletter goes out, which should make your lessons more fun and easier. So that's today's show. We hope you enjoyed listening in just as much as we enjoyed recording it. We hope this episode has been a little slice of an SLP happy hour for you. Thank you for listening. Until next time.